0: welcome to another episode of hit the lights plus i'm peter arrow and i'm here with gary and we are doing a, another podcast today on something a bit close to home for me anyway and that's the topic of the icrs um have you had much experience with the icrs in the past gary
1: i've done quite a few um did a few uh, environment agency contracts for about three four years where we were condition reporting on all the locks and weirs and lock houses and stuff like that so it was commercial industrial and domestic all in one setting
0: how about when you went on your own and you were doing your domestic spout did you do
1: much then not really um typically because probably some of the reasons we're going to talk about in being it's too cutthroat an industry um just can't compete with the prices so is that (laughs) so I, i ended up just walking away from it um i took on a couple that were for me, very keenly priced and I still couldn't get them done. Um, and you end it's when you start rationalising what you're actually going to put into the certificate at the end, going, Well, what can I I can't be honest here. I can't actually do the proper job.
0: Yeah, I think they're very difficult to price for because you don't actually know what you're walking into until you start carrying out the inspections. But I think at minimum a, a good day rate would be expected for most reasonable sized domestic properties.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that.
0: Okay, And then obviously now we have the new PRS, the private rental scheme that's come out. Yes, we do. uh, July, it's coming to force, July 2020. So everyone now, all the landlords, all the letting agents are uh, putting their little mark up on, trying to get it all done as cheaply as possible, as we've seen. Have you had
1: your letter through from the NIC yet? I have had my letter through. Did did you do any assessment or did they just, was it a drive-by assessment? I didn't do an assessment. No, did
0: not. I have had the same inspector for four years in a row and I would say myself I am competent to carry out the ICRs and domestic setting <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's one of those we all say we are competent at doing the stuff we are and as we will soon find out some people should not be doing it
1: yes so I mean do you want to break down what we're going to be doing in this episode
0: yeah okay so I've um managed to somehow get hold of one of these EICRs that have been carried out by a contractor through a letting agent. We won't be naming any names at all, but um, the reason I know this is that I was actually pricing against it, and they were at least a third less than what I was charging. And take that how you want, either I was charging through the nose or um, charging to do it properly, but I would definitely say the latter. Um, so we're going to be going through this report today and just sort of picking off. We haven't had any prior looking at this. We're literally just going to look at it. And as we go through it, just sort of give a description on it. And
1: if we think it was worth the money he's paid or not. So what we'll plan on doing is our, we will uh, edit out all the information and then we will share this alongside the podcast, um, whether that's in the YouTube description or put a download link out there um, within the, uh, the description on the podcast. So everyone can potentially open this up and have a look and follow us through this certificate. Yeah, And obviously, we're not
0: going to be hitting every single point, but we're just going to do the ones that we pick up immediately, have a little chat about them and then move on.
1: So I I don't know if you want to quickly just give a give a a summary of the property just so that we get an idea of what's where, what size. Yeah, no worries. Okay, so this is um, a five bedroom property. It was rewired about
0: 15 years ago by someone I would say was a good electrician. I would happily have him in my own house. So the only problems I personally would see before walking in with his work would just be technological advances, RCDs, similar things and such. But that's not saying, you know, we all have off days so that he may have missed something. I did have access to all of the previous documentation and a circuit chart, which he very neatly printed up on a separate document. Um, the fuse board is in the garage. There is three boards, two in the garage and one, um, I think it's upstairs, in the loft. And the intake equipment is next to the consumer units in the garage.
1: So if there's one in the loft, is that because of a conversion?
0: I assume so, yeah, I think it was.
1: That's, that's probably a, a good intro to the to the uh, certificate. So if we, if we start, so obviously we're not going to go into the details of the person ordering the work, but typically that's going to be the client. In this case obviously it's a a landlord safety report so some one of the the stuff i I always kind of got my gripe up we'll we'll dive straight in section two reason for producing this report now landlord safety report is all they've written is there anything is there anything more you would expect to see in
0: there i mean it depends how far you're going to go you could always write more details further down the line but i i would take that as a generic input from the software they've used but I would probably say yes to landlord safety report, end of tenancy following period of time that the tenant's been inside. Not inside, but you know, in the property. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so what about you, what would you put? Well, I mean I'd like to see I'd like to see a little bit more information like you kinda of, you just alluded to. It's the change, what is the reason? Is it a change of tenancy or because of the new legislation that's been brought in, we're, we're bringing, we're, we're testing this property because it hasn't got any documentation or history against it. yeah. And no, it hasn't been tested in the last five years or, or, or something, some sort of detail like that I would like to see in there. Yeah, I think that's a fair comment to make. Okay, okay, well then
0: the next one, details of the installation. So in there we have a, obviously the details of the address, which we aren't talking about, but then we've got estimated age of the wiring system. So you're looking at a split load 16th edition board.
1: So one of, the, one of the things that kind of immediately jumping out at me is you said it was about 15 years old. Yeah. But we've got estimated age of the wiring system being 30 years.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm not even 30 yet, but I, I, I'm unaware of 30 years ago there being split load 16th edition boards.
1: So do you think he's trying to capture that some potential wiring has been left in place from that uh, that is of that age and that's what he's trying to capture perhaps
0: i mean i think it may even be brown and blue yeah so when was that 2004 2005 we've made yeah, that change cer- certainly not 30 years ago well, yes that's the point certainly not 30 years ago but um also, on the board, I think he would have found there was a installation date sticker.
1: Right, okay. So you so noted
0: that, did you? That would have been my, um, yeah, that would have been my deciding factor.
1: Fair enough. So, I think, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a common thing, isn't it, that most of these testers are going to come across, is that, okay, there's been potentially been a board change, but what about the actual state of the, the circuitry and the final circuit wiring? You know, if there's no earth conductors it's it's irrelevant what you've done with board the ball isn't, isn't it i think no earth i don't know you're older than me
0: so. oh yeah forgot sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> it
0: was a while ago i think it was before both of us anyway so
1: yeah so i mean that yeah there are those considerations to make i think it's not great that it's not um expanded upon i mean he's got no date of last inspection um, which if it's been rewired in the last 15 years most definitely has got to be some well, that's what i was going to come evidence.
0: on to I mean I asked and I received he obviously hasn't asked for even any of that documentation so you can't write not applicable when you haven't asked the question doesn't right. sound like a, a thorough inspection even what's that we're on point three and already I'm um, questioning this guy's integrity
1: yeah <laughs> poor fella Um, i'm pulling him out let's go um right so we'll move on to number four then extent and limitations of inspecting and testing um obviously he's just noted 10 percent of visible and accessible accessories 10 percent Yeah. now that, that 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 make to me i read that as he's not he's not necessarily doing thorough inspections He's doing 10% of visible and accessible. So that doesn't mean, you know, if something's above a door, does that mean he's not going to get a ladder or steps yeah. to go so and look at it? On to what
0: you were saying on the reasons for producing this port- report, you want more detail. Yeah. What is considered accessible? What is considered visible? Did he walk around with his eyes shut?
1: <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And then, obviously, moving on from that, we've got the um, agreed limitations, including the reasons. So maybe now we're going to get some answers. Um, No lifting of floorboards or inspection of loft space. I agree with one, not the other. Why can't you go in the loft? Access? I don't know. He hasn't wrote it, has he?
1: Well, he he said visible or accessible.
0: Yeah, I, I just like personally a little bit more detail. Couldn't get in the loft because... It's five metres in the air, couldn't get in the loft because it's padlocked, couldn't get in the loft because it's above a stairway.
1: Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. Why can't he access the loft? Um, I mean, he's noted here, again, rather frustratingly, no removal of downlights to preserve the fabric of the building. He's a conservationist.
0: He is indeed. That's a, <laughs> it's a long CV in this guy's um, arsenal. The trouble is with downlights, and it's a bit of a pet peeve of me, cut them bigger the bezels now are quite big so you don't need to give a one mil gap around the edge of a downlight they've Mm -hmm. got to come in they will be coming out at some point so i think i'd
1: I'd agree i think the only aspect of that i would probably slightly tweak is that the springs Mm -hmm. springs are so bloody strong nowadays that when you pull them down they just rip the plasterboard with them
0: yeah maybe not all of them but a bit of tweaking a little bit of love just go slow with it ease (laughs) it out You've got to have the knack, you know what I mean? If you were a domestic electrician, you'd understand.
1: <laughs> anyway, so no insulation resistance testing between line and neutral. So he's not stated why.
0: No, again, we, that it would be acceptable if we knew why or if it, if he had a decent enough reason anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, typically I've always had it, you know, with commercial installations where, you know, you've got a load of high bay lighting or... Or something like that uh, that's out of reach like considerably out of reach without needing substantial access equipment and then it would be reasonable to say okay we can't include that because it just the quote goes massive um, to be able to obtain that sort of thing
0: we'll back but, it up and say did not do line to, neut- uh, line to neutral IR testing however connected live, live conductors together to earth and that's how he's done it
1: there is that so the other notes he's, he's added, so as this was an occupied property, not all accessories were visible and accessible. I think that's um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, I can agree with that. So no access to main fuse. Due to this, we will have to assume it is rated to 100 amps. So he's made an assumption. So the one thing I would actually accept a limitation on would be not pulling that fuse.
0: And I'd probably say it was a further investigation.
1: Contact yeah. the DNO. So he's I think what's worse is I'm fine with that being a limitation. If he couldn't pull that fuse, fine. Yeah, no, but I agree with that. Ne- never assume.
0: Yeah, don't write the word assume.
1: Yeah, exactly. Never assume because it makes an ass out of you and me.
0: That's right. Don't bring me into this.
1: Fucking <laughs> turn right. <laughs> turning into Laurel Nardi. That's right.
0: Turning into Right, this next one is a brilliant one, and it's my favourite line in the whole report.
1: Yeah, go on let's hear it.
0: No live testing of off-peak circuits. Correct, yeah. I mean, that would be absolutely fine if there was an off-peak board.
1: (laughs) He's just clarifying, he's just (laughs) clarifying.
0: So, because that's in there, and there was two boards split from the Henry blocks, I'm thinking two things did he think it was an economy seven board the second one or is that a generic limitations he applies to every single eicr he does
1: we'll probably we'll come back to that i think once we get a bit further into probably the db circuits and the schedules okay and we'll, we'll we'll try and understand his thinking if we can get any information from the certificate itself and i think that'll be another test in itself that if we can't understand he's put that limitation what's happening And why, then us as trained electricians, how are we obviously supposed to to understand what he's trying to report and how is someone who doesn't understand supposed to understand this report and what they've even got in their house?
0: Yeah, it's like a different language. And the whole point of these first few pages, in my opinion, is to put into layman terms what's actually going on and the scope of the works that are being tested and inspected.
1: I mean, so we go into the next one. So operational limitations. So this might give a little bit more detail so he's put safety and accessibility as a limitation
0: well that's a broad
1: topic i mean it certainly is um i don't think we can really add to that one so then we've got tenant was not very happy for power to go off i mean are they ever i mean theoretically so obviously being a tenant myself um and having dealt with this occasionally in the past obviously every tenant is given 24 hours notice as a minimum typically within contracts um, for a landlord or uh, some a trade to actually come into the property and that will have, have to have been agreed so there's absolutely no excuse for them not to facilitate turning it off and doing the proper due diligence
0: Yeah, no, I agree and I don't think it's down to the tenant I appreciate they're living there and we all have to sort of accommodate each other a little bit but I know For a fact that no one on there was on a life support machine dialysis or there was no reason that the power had to remain on so apart from i'm going to upset someone a little bit it's just part of the job isn't it you're there to assess the safety of an installation (laughs) you know what i mean
1: sorry i've just read the next line go on have it not very cooperative (laughs) (laughs) oh
0: my god what does that mean is that like they wouldn't put the kettle on for him or they wouldn't
1: help him climb into the loft i mean this is it he's probably again he's probably trying to do it very quickly he's Mm -hmm. trying to get in and out he's got a cheap price he's only allowed probably a couple of hours most likely to get around this property so the fact that the person who lives there is not going to tell him where things are Um, not that they can necessarily have the technical understanding of well this ring main supplies all these accessories and you know like an electrician would understand that in their own house Um, I mean that's insane to put something like that. (laughs) I I must
0: admit you know it's one of the first things you do you walk into a property you know you introduce yourself you do your little spiel, and that and then you say right is there anything you need to tell me about the safety of this installation is there anything that trips out often is there any damaged sockets you know about is you know, tell me because you live here and who's best to ask than the person that's actually occupying the property? Yeah. So if they say, no, you'll turn the power off, I don't want to talk to you, then yeah, they're not being very cooperative. But I probably wouldn't call that an operational limitation.
1: No. Um, I mean, typically when whenever I've done testing or how I was kind of taught to do testing, the first thing you're doing is isolating circuits and, and energising one circuit, go and find out a number of points. And doing all of those sorts of basic checks, I don't need their cooperation for that. No. Um, I, I don't. You shouldn't need their cooperation really on on much at all, other than just getting out of your way.
0: Yeah,
1: basically. Um, so seeing that sort of statement doesn't fill you with any confidence. Um, the the final thing he's noted is, is garage and top of the garage limited access due to boxes.
0: There's boxes on one wall, but. And there's a few underneath the fuse board, but I can move them quite happily. weren't heavy, just boxes basically. Yeah, you know, something you get when you walk into any house. There's always something in the way, and it sort of reminds me of that. Um, that if you've seen like the pictures online and that, where it's not my job, and the painter's like painted around a broom or something like that, mm. and just left the old color behind. It that's how it felt to me when I uh, had a look.
1: Okay, yeah, fair enough. I was just noting, um, obviously, they've got the clarifications of, of the certificate underneath um, just when this report was carried out on what um, amendment. And I'll just quickly check the date on the certificate and they've not uh, detailed it to be into Amendment 1. No, you.
0: no. And that's um, the first one I did. I missed that as well. Hands up. I've done it ever since, but I sort of pressed complete. And then when I was reading that, double, double checking it afterwards, I thought, oh, no, we're on Amendment 1 now yeah so amendment one corrigendum one really
1: exactly yeah i mean it it keeps going up doesn't it but yeah this certificate obviously the software hasn't picked that up um so if we go to section five we're on summary of the condition of the installation we're unsatisfactory yeah it'd be quite interesting to know with all these limitations that he's got how he's got to an unsatisfactory position because it doesn't sound like he's looked or removed anything so he's not removed any furniture He's not pulled down any lights. He's not accessed anything out of reach. So how on earth has he verified anything?
0: Sixth sense, obviously. He just sort of rubbed his hand along the wall and he knew.
1: Fair enough. Um, So one thing he's done right here, obviously he's put in in the recommendations for the next report, five years or change of tenant slash owner. So that is the...
0: I'm gonna disagree with you. Go on, then. Only because I skipped ahead earlier and I saw his insulation resistance results. And if that was me getting those results, I would want a more frequent
1: inspection. No, that's fine. I, I wasn't really making that point, but that's fine. We well, yeah, okay, I'll agree. We with can you obviously a
0: maximum of five years.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. So he's under. What I was getting at is that he's at least understood that the new legislation has brought in five years or a yeah. change of tenant slash owner so i'll give him that one yeah we'll we'll give him that one he's done well um and what we'll do at the end is we'll we will revisit the unsatisfactory and the recommendations at the end yeah okay um, and recover that that aspect for ourselves so we're into observations now do you want to take us through the observations yeah okay so number one is inspection schedule item 4.4
0: condition of an enclosure in terms of fire rating now it is a plastic board underneath a room however it's a fire boarded ceiling and it's not in an escape route as such so i probably wouldn't code that so you give that a c3 I, I wouldn't you wouldn't I'd, code it
1: i'd note it but it's not under an escape route it's not under so what i would what i would say is the condition of enclosure in terms of fire rating so it's not asking you is it is an escape route Mm -hmm. it's not asking you what the ceiling is around around it it's asking you what's the condition of the enclosure in terms of a fire rating it's plastic so not very well so I I would agree that it should be I think with the report and that that's a C3 okay and it for me that would be a recommendation to improve that and get it up to current code
0: yeah I would do that I would note it definitely because there's I think there's a section coming up for um, general comments on the installation but I in the situation it was in I wouldn't code it I'll just note it but okay who's to say there are some right So all right we'll move on to the next one then okay condition of enclosure in terms of IP rating is in a potentially dangerous condition urgent remedial action is required C2. now from what I can decipher from this report is it's because it's missing a screw in the lid
1: does that affect its ip rating it wasn't hanging off it was tight so is it i'm assuming so i think there's probably a couple of different things like the schneider boards have like six screws around them don't they so if one was missing it wouldn't necessarily Oh right. Imp-
0: you're talking imp- a proper board this is just a little domestic plastic wirex. i
1: i'm getting I'm getting to my point all right sorry go on and i'm assuming this one's a two screw is it yes yeah. so not having one screw is almost affecting 50 percent of that board cover being flexible i'd say so so i'd be happy to agree with that as a c2 i'd agree with it it wasn't bad but yeah you could
0: probably pull it but you could
1: i think the fact that it can be manipulated
0: without a tool i think is the main thing isn't it but yeah that's fair enough but would you be happy in leaving it like that no Absolutely. Because I would definitely get a screw out of the van of some description and I would still code it as I saw it, but then I would know elsewhere, depending on the sort of how far I went to make the work safe, I'd either issue an EIC, a minor works, or I would note it on a separate document which I would append to my EICR saying I have found this and I've carried out works. Um, I know on certain other documentation it will say next inspection subject to remedial works being carried out or of sim, you know, something similar. So I would still code it as I found it, but then I would note saying that I have repaired it for one, to say oh, I have done this beyond what I was there to do today, and two, because that's how I found it. So it was dangerous. Mm. I think if a situation arose, I don't know, just sort of make one-up here, but say someone got injured two weeks ago and you were there because they'd been injured, if you then repair and don't code it, then they're going to say, well, it wasn't that, was it?
1: I think the as- the aspect of the of – you've, you've captured it, and I think appending a, a minor works or potentially even an electrical installation certificate, depending on the, the severity of the issue. Yeah. I think um, I think the only issue will be his cost, isn't it, when, when you start running into doing all this additional paperwork, particularly an install cert. Yeah,
0: but – you would get verification first. Surely that's like a variation order, isn't it? Otherwise, yeah. you issue a danger warning notification. I've advised they wouldn't do it, and get them to sign it. Yeah. You've got to cover your bum one way or another, haven't you? So,
1: right, so moving on then, we'll, we'll get back to the, yeah. the the condition report. So uh, The next item, number three.
0: Enclosure not damaged, deteriorated so as to impair safety this is recommendation for improvement so that could be the screw again because as far as i could see the board was suitably sealed there was no holes greater than ip2x or ip4x depending on what part we were on so all i could see on that was the screw no blanks missing yep so it's like he's coded the screw twice but two different codes because that's got to see through
1: yeah um i mean there, there is the chance, the off chance that we've not we're not capturing something that he's seen, but he certainly hasn't conveyed that in his uh, commenting, has he? So we're, we're double guessing what the issue is yeah
0: here. No, no, again, well, let's leave that one and move on then. So item four is the cables concealed in walls at a depth of less than 50 mil is in a potentially dangerous condition. Urgent remedial action is required.
1: Do you think he's made an assumption because of lack of RCD protection? So it's a, a fail safe position to take.
0: All the socket circuits have an RCD on. It's the lighting and others that don't.
1: So he's considering potentially light switches and and potentially some other cables?
0: Okay, let's say it is that. So we have a talking point. And I would say for lighting, smokes, immersions, similar things, I would see three if they didn't have RCD protection.
1: Yeah, if it was at the point of installation and it it wasn't required back then. Yeah. Even even up to, I think it was 17th Amendment 3, I think was when it came in for all circuits. I may be wrong.
0: Uh, lighting coming in around then, didn't it? 18th yeah. or, I can't read, wouldn't know. It was, yeah, Amendment 3 or 18th, all domestic lightings should have RCD yeah. protection.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I, I would agree. I wouldn't put that as a C2. No, but I, I think, I think if the
0: it's... 50 mil one has been around since the 17th. I think that's been in for yeah. a while.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, would you class it a C2? No,
0: C3. What can I do that's immediately going to hurt? You know, under what fault condition is going to hurt? It's all plastic. Um, class two fittings everywhere, so.
1: Okay, yeah, and I'd go with that.
0: Just on my knowledge of the installation. Yes, if there was something a bit more severe, it could go to a C2, but I would C3, that one.
1: And again, we're, we're guessing on yeah what we think he might be trying to capture there so there may there may be other things that crop up when we get through the later in the certificate um so next one number five we've got
0: condition of insulation of live parts requires further investigation without delay don't know what he wants further investigation
1: condition of insulation of live parts so that's protection against electric shock so I got that down. And it just says basic insulation of live parts. Live parts shall be completely covered with insulation which can only be removed by destruction. For equipment, this the insula- insulation shall comply with the relevant standard for such electrical equipment. What do you think he means? Um, I don't know, and I don't think he even knows. He's put further investigation. Does
0: that mean he's got to go home and read up what it means? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well i mean this this is it i mean he's saying requires further investigation without delay condition of insulation of live parts i can only think because the only other thing he's noted is the board that maybe that's what he's referring to
0: well, i don't know i mean by destruction it's insulation isn't it so it's not by removal of a key or a tool it is destruction so you have yeah. to physically mean to get to it so maybe basic insulation exposed beyond the accessory or something but he doesn't that, say that
1: no but the, yeah and i it that to me if you've got a contravention of that and that particular regulation should be a c2
0: i can't see how it's a further investigation because either you can see it or you can't
1: exactly and it's a, he's clearly making an assumption and if he can see it why hasn't he coded it
0: back to our earlier point the assumption is the mother of all evils it really
1: is <laughs> <laughs> okay all right so move on to the next one
0: yeah okay so this one's basically saying the compatibility of devices and bases um but let's come back to that one when we get to the test results page
1: Compa- all right so compatibility of protective devices um correct type and rating um, is potentially dangerous so he's given that C2 so we'll come back to that. Then.
0: Yeah okay and the last one is condition of accessories including socket outlets, switches and joint boxes is in a potentially dangerous condition. Urgent remedial action is required C2 but what?
1: But he's very so he's inspected 10 percent of these by his own definition at the beginning and even after looking at 10 percent he's deemed it potentially dangerous.
0: I was always taught and I teach this to my lads but in a domestic EICR you go into every room, remove the switch and one of the sockets because if those are right the rest are likely to be right because we all do a room at a time when we're second fixing. But if you find a problem take off another one or two and if they're all wrong then they're all going to be wrong aren't they? So from that you can sort of apply common sense and that would be how i would inspect the domestic property
1: yeah i think the clarification and the wording that i've always put in extent of limitation inspection and testing is say even if it's a percentage so 30 percent of internal and external wiring and accessories Mm -hmm. so you you're clearly defining that you are taking stuff apart you are it might only be x amount of it what's accessible what's not but there is that definition very clearly of what you are and aren't doing and i think his definition here just of 10 percent of visible and accessible accessories doesn't really state what extent he's going to
0: how did we know what he could and couldn't see on the day so yeah i'd at least say if it's in that situation the next dicr those uninspected items should be inspected yeah exactly should make a point of it get the previous report and then say well actually because of this, this time we need this to happen.
1: And that's exactly it. And I would like to see that as a comment, I think, within here on his schedule, which I don't think he's done. Investigation required of un- unaccessible accessories.
0: No, it's you know, it's all down to your paperwork at the end of the day. And to me, I think your paperwork is, you know if not more important, at least one of the most important parts about doing this, because that's what relates to other people. It's no good me walking away saying, well, I know what it's like. That's not why you're there. You're there to put into layman terms what's going on.
1: So the last time I used a software, um, I was always able to put photographs um, in the app. It always offered you, if you you brought up a code, um, uh, with a C1 or a C2, it made you take a photo. And a C3 was optional. But I always put a photo with everything so that it was clear. And for my own records and memory as well. So that if somebody queried something, I could say, "All right, okay, I'll look at the photo quickly. Oh yeah, it was that." Um, is that something you've done? Because obviously he's not provided any evidence. I take
0: before. a lot of photos um, just because. So you know, you go home and you're writing it up properly and doing your inspections, and that, you think, "Well, what was that?" And you then you think, "Oh yeah, I remember now." And it sort of jogs, and then you could also see things you didn't see while you were there. You can actually assess it, you know. Like I say, if you've got a tenant looming over your head, you, you feel a bit awkward sometimes, but I get a few pictures. I could take 50 to 100 pictures of a house sometimes. Mm. And um, I know there's certain companies out there at the moment who are developing cloud access platforms, so clients can literally access all the photos you've taken of a property.
1: So overall, at the end of that, we've got three or four C2s, two C3s, and a further investigation. So not a lot, but most of it potentially dangerous yeah and that's in a five bedroom house we've got that yeah right so 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 if we move on to section eight so this would be for me where i would expect to see a good decent paragraph
0: i'd expect half a page really yeah
1: yeah just something comprehensively expelling out what the issues are that could be for a, a layman for an electrician anyone involved associated with the property to be able to pick up this section if only this section and understand what the issues are so this is the general condition of the installation and we've got the installation does not comply with bs 7671 what version what anything i mean <laughs> <laughs> um so i mean What what is he trying to say? There's so much that you could put in there um, that could either further develop his observations. It could give a a good summary on the condition. But I mean, we've got so little in there. We might as well move on from it. To be perfectly honest,
0: we might as well just put a big marker across that one and say just skip on to the next bit. As you said.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, So if we move on to obviously we've got general declaration. Let's do the declaration.
0: Oh, you know not going into any details but mm. obviously we've got his trading title and it seems to be some sort of larger company doesn't seem to be a one-man band that seems to be a just guessing off the name yeah seems to be a larger company that's perhaps you know as you said earlier they just price it subcontract it out or whatever they take all the money out of it and then dwindle it down again making mm. this guy a third or fourth tier contractor. OK, and also we've got the name, got his position in the company. But um, annoyingly, he hasn't signed it.
1: Yeah, so, the yeah, there's no signature. Um, at no point on this documentation have we seen anywhere an affiliation to a competent person scheme. As you've kind of highlighted, they've not they're not allowed to have that recognition or certainly brand recognition onto their documentation. But they have put in a registration number.
0: Yeah. No, OK, well, let's let's leave them. Leave them alone. CPSs are another day.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So we'll skip we we'll over we'll skip over he's obviously used a multi function tester. No, I'm on that one as well. I have a problem with that. Old oh, test
0: instruments. He's put a serial number, but he's filled in every single box with a serial number. So did that mean he used some super tester that's not only a monthly functional tester, but it's an independent IR tester, independent continuity tester an Earth electrode resistance tester, an Earth thought loop impedance tester, and an RCD. How big is this tester?
1: (laughs) Don't be jealous. How
0: big is it? It's all about the size. I'm really jealous.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'd I'd agree with that. Yeah, do you know what? I I glossed over that because I didn't see the multifunctional in the top left. But yeah, you're right. I wouldn't accept all of those five. You want to fill in the first
0: one and then you put little hyphens to blank out the rest. Or if you have used let's say an earth electrode resistance separate meter for that then put in the separate serial number for that I very much doubt you would find two bits to test equipment with the same serial number
1: so number 11 supply characteristics and earthing arrangements
0: right so he's ticked TNS one phase, one phase two wire confirmation of polarities a tick and then on the next one of the nature of supply parameters we've got the nominal voltages so there's U and UO and Do you know the difference between the two, Gary? Uh,
1: one is uh, line to line and the other is line to earth. Which ones? U is line to line, UO is line to earth.
0: Yeah, that's right. And um, apparently on this property, our line to line voltage is 240 and we have a 230 line to earth. So
1: uh, that's interesting.
0: Yeah. I'd probably, probably code that as well actually while we're here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think we're, we're pretty safe that he hasn't got it. He's got a two-wire system.
0: So. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, then yeah, we've got the frequency at 50 hertz, prospective fault 1.49 kA, and the external earth fault loop impedance, the ZE, is 0.5. Oh,
1: that's very high for a ZE.
0: It is, and but it is TNS, so the DNO would say up to 0.8. I think that's in the was it the ESCQR. 2002 yeah i think that rings a bell so i'd say within the expected parameters yeah it does feel high compared to what we're used to now but that's probably due to the cnes in the network yeah okay and then yeah then we got a limitation for our protected device our main fuse and he's put 100 amps in there but probably should have put a limitation
1: yeah he's limitate limitation on everything else so i mean you know why why on earth you don't even know what protective device it is you're limitating on so no no,
0: exactly so we've got particulars of the installation referred to in this certificate means of earthing distributors facility so that's just a tick we're not doing any earth electrode is an interesting one maximum demand 100 amps (laughs) must be two
1: must be two phase
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's warm so what we're assuming there is he has assumed the main fuse is 100 amps and he's said because they can pull 100 amps i'm going to write 100 amps you got any views on that
1: yeah obviously you should be doing your look up tables having a look at um you know your on-site guide seeing what your maximum diversity should be um to give you a starting point based on the number of circuits and bits and pieces and then potentially if you've got a ammeter have a little go and see see what you're getting.
0: Yeah, no, I'd say your what you said, industry guidance, your little blue book, the on-site guide, maybe um guidance note one, selection and erection. There's a few bits in there. But I also like to think that if you're doing this sort of work, you're experienced enough to know what is gonna pull a rough amount of current. So I normally walk around the house, think, oh well, they've got an induction hob there, they've got this there, they've got a kettle, they've got this. And I'd like to say that I can get a pretty reasonable guessing of maximum demand just by topping things up as I walk around the house.
1: The only thing I would kind of, the only caveat to that I would say is that that would still be a guess.
0: It's all a guess, isn't it?
1: But it's not if you're getting an ammeter out. No. All right.
0: Amateur now. <laughs> Look, I don't like this
1: percentage of
0: circuits because I split circuits differently to how you split circuits to how... This guy doing this work with split circuits. So let's just say everything averaged out on 60% because I've seen people do that. Add everything up, times it by 60%. That's your maximum demand. But well, what if I had another two or three 16 outbreakers or I had another two lighting circuits? We're going to have a different answer, aren't we? So how's that an exact science?
1: Um, I don't think it's an exact science. I think but you can be, you can be probably reasonably accurate with that. Um, and it might be that we're getting too caught up on it, potentially, um, because, we, I mean, we know 100 ounces wrong. Um, yeah. so, it, so it clearly highlights it. Had he put 60, I might have been more convinced that that might have been the case. Um, but then obviously, once we look at the schedules, we'll know a bit more about the Yeah, initial. No, no, that's all fair enough. And then all right, moving on, he's put the protective
0: measure against electric shock is ADS which I agree with, domestic property. Yep. Providing all our ZSs, which we'll approve later on. Okay, um, main switch, which fuse, 60947-3 isolator, two poles, current rating 100 amps, no rating or setting because there's no variable setting on it, and um, voltage rating at 240 volts. And then, yes, copper, 25 mil tails, and no RCD main switch, so non-applicable for all of that. Mm-hmm i'm happy oh yeah always this is another one i like so we have the earthen conductor copper 16 mil connection continuity verified so how has he done that would you say that was through a zsdb or a ze measurement you have verified that continuity
1: well i think one of the key points here is that he said he can't turn off Um, i think we probably glossed over it a little bit with the the ze he can't turn off Mm mm-hmm and hasn't isolated so how has he achieved a, Z, a ZE? it would
0: be a zsdb wouldn't
1: it it would be a zsdb yeah yeah so but, but he won't have disconnected the main earth i hope
0: <laughs> you, you would hope not no and obviously the difference between the two there would be a true ZE reading would be removing the main earth crocking onto that and only having the earthing conductor as your path that's a ZE. whereas a zsdb is where all your parallel paths still connected to the met and then the same test
1: Exactly. And there's no clarification that that's been the case.
0: No. Again, that should have been noted further up.
1: Yeah.
0: He cannot have verified the continuity, then, could he? Because he could be picking it up through an extraneous metalwork. Exactly. Which may indicate why it's slightly higher. That's a little question mark on that. And then we've got the main protective bonding conductors material copper, size 10, to the water and the gas.
1: Now, how would you verify that continuity? Typically, I would do an R2. Mm -hmm. I would run out to wherever it was located, the gas, the water, whatever, um, you know, null a lead out and clamp onto it and see what you got, as long as it was less than 0.05.
0: Yeah, got to do that. Hopefully, that's what he's done here. Annoyingly, on these certificates, you can't record that. But when I used to use these, I would have recorded it in the general installation details paragraph. Right. Okay. Just to sort of prove that I have done it. So that is the first three pages of this EICR, general characteristics of installation. And that I think that's a good point to sort of conclude this episode um, on the bonding just before we start the inspection schedules. So is there any other points you'd like to raise on what we've covered so far, Gary?
1: No, I think we'll probably capture that in the in the next podcast and sections. Okay.
0: Well, thank you, Gary, and uh, see you on the next one.